Hello everyone, it's Dr. Sam. I'd like to welcome you to my Eye Clarity Podcast. This is a show that offers cutting edge information on how to improve your vision and overall wellness through holistic methods. I so appreciate you spending part of your day with me. If you have questions, you can send them to hello at drsamburn.com. Now to the latest Eye Clarity episode. Hey folks, it's Dr. Sam, and I'd like to welcome you to another Eye Clarity podcast. So we have a very interesting guest today, one of my colleagues. I haven't talked to her in quite a while. Her name is Dr. Lynn F. Hellerstein, and let me give you a little background about her. She is a pioneer in the field of vision therapy, and she's an award-winning author. She's written several books. And she has a new book out. I want to talk about that. And the book is entitled Expand Your Vision, How to Gain Clarity, Courage, and Confidence. So Dr. Hellerstein is really an amazing uh, optometrist. She is, um, well, she's a leader in the field of behavioral optometry, developmental optometry, and I certainly have had a great deal of respect uh, watching her over the years in her career. She has utilized vision therapy for both children and adults with learning related vision problems, brain injuries, as well as helping uh, athletes enhance their performance. At this point, she has helped thousands of people improve their vision and enhance their lives. She's an international bestseller, and I'm so excited to have her on. Dr. Hellerstein, welcome to the program. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Sam, and it's so great to be with you. It has been ages since we've actually talked, so it's, it's delightful, and I appreciate the invite. Yeah, I want to introduce my community to you. They're so hungry for another approach in eye care. I mean... I, I, I feel like I'm a voice out there, especially in social media, where you know it's great to be able to put, bring on other holistic optometrists and have them speak about their perspectives. So let's start with this. How did you get into the field? What, what, was, your, what was your starting point? Sure, well, my dad was an optometrist and actually my grandfather was an optometrist in the early days where jewelers doubled up and took a night course and learned how to prescribe glasses. Yeah. So, so I'm really a third generation optometrist in my family. Also the third woman in the state of Colorado to be an optometrist. So, you know, I, I feel like I'm a pioneer back then where, you know, I was one of very few women in my class of optometry, but I got really interested. I've always been interested in medicine and I was on the course to uh, go to med school and be a pediatrician. And at the last minute, I decided um, I wanted a family. I didn't really want all those night calls as well. And so I switched to optometry. And the reason I was really interested in that field is because of my own vision problems, which is usually where it starts. Um, I was a, I could see great, didn't need glasses for seeing. But when it came to reading and I knew how to read, I had 
all the vocabulary to read, but very early on, you know, second grade, I'd start reading and before you knew it, my eyelids got heavy and the print started blurring and I was sound asleep. And it didn't make any difference what I was reading, how long I was reading, just within a few minutes. I just couldn't stay on the mm -hmm. book very long. So mm -hmm. I spent all my years in school avoiding reading. And luckily, mm -hmm. luckily, I had other skills to compensate. I listened well and I organized well. I hate to say you can get through a lot of years not reading very much. You know, I went through eight years of college doing everything I could not to read, yet still excel in school. So it's been a struggle all along. And it wasn't until <clears throat> I finally went to optometry school that I understood what was going on with myself and had focus problems, needed vision therapy. So my passion was, how can I reach more people that even if they see well, aren't functionally doing very well? And that's how I started. And you bring up a great point about the functional aspects of vision, because as you, you know, as we know that in a regular eye exam, it's just 2020 eyesight and eye health and you're out the door and you've devoted your career to helping people improve their learning. So I want to get into this topic called visualization, because I know it's, you're an expert in this. And so tell me about how you got interested in it, how you use it. Uh, I know my community is very interested in it as a visual skill. So tell me about visualization. So when I started my uh, vision therapy practice, teachers found me out, and this was back in the late 70s, um, because they had all these kids that weren't reading well and poor handwriting or clumsy at sports. And they started sending me patients. And I got all the best equipment I could to help them learn to focus and coordinate their eyes. Mm -hmm. But some of the kids they sent me wouldn't sit in the chair long enough to do any of the activities <laughs> that we had learned in optometry right. school. And That's so right. I had to find some other ways to work with these kiddos to start, you know, I couldn't improve their visual system if I couldn't even get them to focus their body and be able to sit still mm -hmm. and look at all these things. Of course. So it set me on the course of starting to work with other professionals. And early on, my sister, who's an occupational therapist, joined my practice. I worked with physical therapists. They would send me patients because they mm -hmm. didn't know what to do with them after a stroke or brain injury or reading. And right. so I started very early uh, in my career working with other professionals. And mm -hmm. some of the schools started asking me to come in and give them in services and teach them more about vision. And one school said, we want you to give us a, a, a seminar on visual perception. And I'm like, visual perception? Well, we learned that once in school. <laughs> what do I do with that? Okay. And mm -hmm. it was through then extra study out of, outside of my schooling that I started really learning how I, mind, brain, body works together and was yes. looking at my colleagues and learning from them, knowing my specialty in vision and eyes lead the body, but how do we work together? And so that again started me on a whole new educational course of understanding this eye mind body connection. As I got further along, again, it was my community said, Well, this is great. You know, can you tell us more about? And they're the ones who brought visualization in my life. You know, and that used to be sure. the voodoo. 
In fact, I remember right. teachers could almost lose their job if they mentioned the word because it sounded like mind control. It is true. Yep. It is true. Yep. I remember I had a little patient. Uh, he came to me and I was teaching him how to visualize um, for spelling. We have some great strategies mm -hmm. how to see the words in your head, write from your pictures. Mm -hmm. And when I told the mother for home therapy, I said, you know, we're going to use this great strategy on visualizing for spelling. She said, I'm pulling them out of your program. Oh, I go, well, why? It's very effective. She says, you are not allowed to do any mind control with my child. Mm -hmm. I said, well, I'm sorry mm -hmm. if I've offended you. How about if we just see the words in our head? Would that be okay? She said, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> you know? uh -huh. so, uh -huh. so that started me on the course of really looking at vision on the inside as well as vision on the outside. That's how I describe mm -hmm. it. Here we're teaching mm -hmm. people how to see clear, not just clear, focus using my eyes right. together, appreciating space and periphery and all these other parameters of vision. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I started to look inward as well in our imagination mm -hmm. and, and utilizing visualization. So that started me on the track of learning about visualization for my practice. Mm -hmm. Then it really accelerated when I had medical a medical crisis in 2002, which mm -hmm. uh, totally changed my life and started working with a, a psychotherapist who utilized visualization as a treatment modality in, in uh, my stress and anxiety. And it was just mm -hmm. so familiar what she was doing because all the kind of visual languaging of what we've done in vision therapy, but just sure. looking deeper inside. So that's, yeah. that's where it's really set mm -hmm. me on course to, to help people improve their vision, both externally as well as internally. And then of yeah, course, through all that, my study, yeah. yeah, and yeah. people like you, you know, people like Dr. Joe Dispenza and Jack Canfield sure. and all these big leaders now in the field. Sure. It was so familiar. I came to that understanding really through my external vision work but you know it's mm -hmm. so integrated and to where i find the power of learning sure. reducing stress and, and creating your life yeah i mean in my studies i found that visualization helps improve my serotonin production my serotonin and dopamine and how that affects my mm -hmm. mood and and my energy and my ability to retain what i'm learning so, um, so we're here with Dr. Lynn Hellerstein. She is a behavioral optometrist, vision therapist, best-selling author. She has a new book out called Expand Your Vision, How to Gain Clarity, Courage, and Confidence, a bestseller on Amazon. And I'd like to move now to burnout. Uh, this is a big issue. You know, even since COVID, it's a different kind of burnout, but people on Zoom calls all day, kids, online schools. How are you navigating, you know, and helping people eliminate these spiral burnouts, which we know it zaps our progress and our experiencing. Uh, and I know you use visualization as one of the recovery strategies. Share with our audience how you help people with this. <clears throat> Again, it starts with my personal journey. Journey, uh, Everything I utilize with my patients, and a lot of that is what they've taught me, of course, mm -hmm. but I've experienced myself. 
And, you know, in 2002 is when I had a major burnout uh, because of my health crisis. I actually mm -hmm. had a tumor in my colon, major surgery. Uh, luckily, I did not need chemo because we found it very, very early. But what mm. happened was I became allergic to all foods. And oh I couldn't eat. I was working mm. with alternative care folks on this. I couldn't digest food. And it became really kind of representative of my life. I couldn't digest life. You know, my whole mm. life was being described right. through digestive terms. You know, it's, it's a bunch <laughs> right. of... I, what the, you know, and, and I was burned out from the office, you know, before this crisis, I kept having dreams that I was on this fast freight train, speeding out of control, mm -hmm. ready to crash. Mm -hmm. And I kept thinking, how do I get off the train? How do I stop the train? And I didn't know how to, and I, I believe the universe stopped it for me. And that's mm -hmm. when I, you know, I was truly knocked down. I couldn't work for months. And even though it was a digestive issue and I had surgery on my colon, I mm -hmm. felt like I was a brain injury patient. I couldn't think uh -huh, clearly, sure. couldn't go back to work. And, mm -hmm. and I knew there had to be more to life. You know, No longer were the mm -hmm. labels of doctor and mother and speaker and writer. None of that made any difference. This all this burnout threw me in the crisis of who am I and what is my purpose of life? Mm -hmm. And it was on that journey that I met this psychologist who was not a traditional psychologist. She had thrown all that work out and she mm -hmm. was creating her own um, body of work called RIM, releasing inner memories. And it involved mm -hmm. all this visualization in the body. Mm -hmm. And so that is where I started learning the power of visualization, but that it wasn't in isolation. At that time, mm -hmm. you know, I changed my diet, mm -hmm. exercise became really important, functional medicine and supplements. And it was really a whole basket of goodies that I was mm -hmm. utilizing to recover my own health. And as I yeah. recovered more and more, you know, visualization, meditation, yoga, all those things became part of my life. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't believe there's a simple, I wish there was a simple pill. There isn't. You know, yeah, it's, no. it's what you talk about on this podcast all the time. It's a multi-sensory, yeah. multi-group of activities to be well. Sure. Of course. And, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, what you've been through, I've certainly had uh, health challenges as well. You know, we take a look at what's going on on a cellular level. I, you know, I remember... Uh, one of my mentors who's actually practiced in Colorado, who you knew him quite well, Dr. Al Sutton. And I remember being in his office in Miami Beach and Dr. Sutton said, you know, one of the things that I like to do is explore what's going on in the biochemistry of a person and support that and then apply visualization, vision therapy, and so on. And what you're speaking about is a you know, the holistic model, the integrative medicine model. And by you going through it, I, I went through it also, you can help your patients so much more. And in this book you wrote, which I love, you bring in some case histories. And there are a few of them that I was really uh, inspired by. One was Trevor, who suffered a brain injury. Do, do you remember him? Can you speak a little bit about 
what you did for him? Uh, Trevor was one of my favorite patients and I've mm -hmm. had the opportunity to work with him over 30 years. Uh, he oh was, okay. yeah, he was referred to me when he was like either seven or nine years old. He suffered a mm -hmm. severe, a very severe brain injury from a, a motorbike accident. And he oh was my. one of those patients. They didn't know if he'd live and they didn't mm -hmm. know if he'd ever walk, talk, be functional. Mm -hmm. And, um, Trevor defied all odds from day one, but he had to mm -hmm. relearn all his skills. And he ended up with severe visual problems where he lost about two thirds of his visual field, meaning most of his lower visual field and part of one side were wow. destroyed and damaged. So oh, if he wow. would look straight ahead, he wouldn't notice things on the ground or he'd bump into things wow. on the right side. So he had a severe field loss, he had double vision, um, and those are just the visual problems. He had all the other motor and language and other issues. Yeah. So I yeah. saw him when, you know, he was just in getting back to school, which they wondered if, ever, if he would ever read, even, you know, finish school. Well, what they didn't know about Trevor is he was a kiddo who had been identified as being gifted. So he was mm -hmm. one very smart little kid who was mm -hmm. also very motivated. Mm -hmm. And he came into therapy. We worked with him oh, probably nine months to a year. By the time mm -hmm. we were done, he was caught up in school. He was advanced in school. Yeah. And his favorite sport yeah. to play was baseball, which was mm -hmm. so shocking to me because I guess he was a great pitcher so that nobody would hit the ball back to him because if he got a line <laughs> drive, he would have no sure. awareness that the ball was coming yeah. close to him. And sure. he played all through high school, if you can imagine that. <clears throat> so Trevor, again, defied all odds. He, he graduated high school at the top of his class. He went to the Colorado School of the Mines, which is a very high level engineering school. The only problem he had was doing the actual experiments with dangerous chem chemicals like sulfur uh, sulfuric acid. He could not really judge space very well and to pour chemicals from one beaker to another was a challenge. And so he finally, and he'd always have to work and advocate to get support that he could get somebody, he could tell them how to do the experiment but not do the experiment himself. He never was able to drive because of his visual field loss, yet he performed at everything else the engineering school wanted to do. He then was accepted at medical school and flew through medical school, being able to do everything they needed him to do, scored very high and therefore landed a very high level dermatology residency, which again, with all the problems he had, the only way he could land it, he could pass all those kinds of labs and perform quite well. So Trevor's now off to med school. I get a call in his first year of residency it's been only two or three months and we're following along for, you know, glasses, contacts, general health. And I get a call and I can hardly hear him on the phone. And he goes, Dr. H, I need your help. And I'm like, Trevor, Trevor, is that you? And Trevor was in the hospital because he couldn't drive. He walked everywhere and he was walking across the crosswalk with the light. Some young kid, texting while he was driving, ran the light, hit him, and he suffered a second brain injury. 
Oh I was just devastated as he was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He, uh, took, you know, time again in the hospital to recover. As soon as he was out, he came back to the office and all of his visual problems got much worse. He had double vision, couldn't read. He also suffered hand injuries, ear injuries, a whole mm -hmm. bunch of new injuries. And he was bound and determined to get back to medical school. Mm -hmm. It's a very sad story in that the medical school didn't understand the brain injury in that he needed time to rest. He, he needed, he was so fatigued, you know, and, and the schedules of med students is crazy. And so it was a battle for him to get back. And uh, it's a long story as we continue, but the ascent, the really important part of the story is they ended up sending him for another eye exam for a second opinion. And the doctor did a visual field and saw the fields and said, you can't go to medical school. You've lost too much of your field of vision. And Trevor brought the fields in one day and he says, I'm done. I said, well, Trevor, let me show you your fields from 20 years ago. They're the same. He said, well, the doctor said, I can't do this. I said, well, what have you been doing for 20 years? So Trevor in his mind always visualized himself as a doctor and it changed in the matter of an hour when one doctor said to him, you can't do it. And that's the power of our language. Sure. And as soon as I showed him the fields, he goes, well, they haven't changed. I go, no. Mm -hmm. So that means I still could do this? I said, Trevor, mm -hmm. you've proven yourself. You can do it with these terrible visual fields. But it just showed you how powerful words are and the power of his visualization overcoming the words. And so he continues on his journey throughout all of this. Yeah, very, very inspiring. And it's great to have another doctor talk about these kind of success stories. I mean, I talk about them all the time, but there's, there's power in numbers. So when a bunch of us get together and say, yeah, this is really happening. And, you know, what you were able to do for him is, um, you know, show him what's really going on. And it's just, it's just a really, uh, it's very inspiring. So, um, so we're coming down near to the end of our interview. I'm here with Dr. Lynn Hellerstein. She's a pioneer in the field of vision therapy, behavioral optometry. She's a best-selling author. She has a new book out called Expand Your Vision, How to Gain Clarity, Courage, and Confidence. It's a really, really amazing book. And if you're interested in my content, you need to get this book. So uh, Lynn, how can people, first of all, how can they order the book and how can they get in touch with you? Sure, uh, best way to get in touch with me, um, you can check out my website, lynnhellerstein.com. And I think there'll be in the show notes. Uh, is that correct, Sam? Or? Yes, yes, I will be putting okay. it in the show notes. Because <laughs> the, uh, the spelling's your, 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 uh, a little tricky, yeah. Uh, the book's available oh, on Amazon. Mm -hmm. um, so Great. all my books are available on Amazon and then social media. Um, um, I don't do Twitter much, but Facebook, Instagram. Great. Great. Yeah. So everybody, I want you to follow uh, Dr. Hellerstein on Facebook and Instagram Buy her book. And um, you're also, maybe you'll be doing some workshops. I hope so, because People need to learn what you're teaching them. You're a fabulous teacher and educator, as well as a doctor. So um, 
you know, I hope you put those up on your website so that people can hook in with you. So I want to thank you so much for your your generosity of spirit, your um, your inspiration for thousands of people, and uh, thanks so much for being on the show. My pleasure. Thank you, Sam. Thank you for listening. I hope you learned something from the iClarity podcast show today. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and leave a review. See you here next time.